You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. I'll be sharing some bite-sized brain science, thought-provoking questions, and mind-bending ideas about how our brains work, change, learn, and adapt, and how we can use the knowledge emerging from the field of neuroscience to open up new possibilities and make the progress we want in all areas of our lives. Hello, my friends, and welcome to 2022 and the first episode of the Ambition Incubator for this year. Now, if you have overindulged, as is customary over the holiday season, then today we're going to talk with an expert in lean. My guest today is Bruno Peschetz, and we're going to talk about his work helping businesses of all sizes achieve innovation in a profitable manner and some of the really simple and practical tools that we can use to milk the data from our results, good and bad. Bruno is one of those rare innovators who can claim that he has worked on a regulation-defying freight train and an award-winning board game for teaching entrepreneurship and innovation. So when Bruno got in touch to suggest that we do a podcast episode, I couldn't wait to pick his brains. He's got a hell of a CV and his interests are so wide and varied that I was absolutely sold. Now, this episode is the perfect way to start your year right and make sure that you put the simple and effective mechanisms in place so that you can lean into all the steps and learn everything you can from every single experience that comes your way. Here's how our conversation went. So, Bruno, finally we speak. <laughs> it has been um, it has been an interesting journey to get this far in the conversation. And thank you for bearing with us in the technical hiccups that we've had so far. So welcome to the show and thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy to be here and uh... I'm just sorry that people couldn't listen in on everything we've been talking about for, for the last almost an hour, but it uh, doesn't matter. We will share even more now. <laughs> I know it was, it was, I, I kept thinking, you know, this is exactly what he was talking about in, you know, the lean startups and we have to pivot and we've got to change this and we, we have to keep going and find a way around it. But um, yeah, here we are. So I, I'm really, really curious to ask you a few things. Um, first of all, we have a common interest which is not necessarily business related, but it does offer, I think, a different window into the world of development and so on. And that, of course, is martial arts. And you yourself are a very accomplished martial artist, and I am less so. <laughs> but can you can you tell us a little bit about whether or not you feel that has given you any insights um, or given you any ways of developing yourself? Oh, I mean, absolutely. We could probably talk about hours and hours. And I just want to address that uh, everyone who, who trains martial arts, regardless of their rank, is an accomplished and has achieved an accomplishment. And, and let me tell you why. So I, I started pretty young. That's true. I started, I was five years old. Uh, it, it's in the family. So my father was a very accomplished martial artist. My mother is physical education teacher, and she was also doing martial arts as part of that. And the things that I would put forward that, that really helped me a lot is, you know, as you train martial arts, you develop discipline, but you also develop manners because martial arts ultimately aren't about hurting people or causing conflict. They're about resolving co conflict in a non-violent manner. And I know this sounds so weird, especially to those that <laughs> never trained martial arts, but it really is at the core, even if it looks pretty rough on the outside mm -hmm. with punches, kicks, etc. Another thing that I'm really grateful for, and I'm, I'm still training, 
and I'm an instructor actually, is in martial arts, you need to be able to experience things. You cannot just talk about things. In order to learn how to throw, you must learn how to fall. And I think, you know, when you go in, into that mindset, it's so useful in life and business because you realize I cannot have success without facing failure. I cannot, you know, reach the heights without tasting the lows. And if if you're, I think, if you're training martial arts, you get used to it. You don't think, oh, life is unfair. You fall, you get up. And then you try again. And you fall and you get up. And you try again. And, I mean, martial arts has informed so much on my approach to business and coaching as well. Uh, that, as, as I said, I could, I could probably talk for, for a long time. Mm. So... You know, I leave that up to you. If there's something specific that you would like to focus on, or should we, should we, <laughs> well, do something else? You know, I'll tell you, it, it it's a really interesting thing for me, and it's a little thread that I pull out a lot because I think that the research and so on that I read about uh, how we get feedback loops in our brain, how we develop uh, a tolerance for mm -hmm. failure and trying again and trying to find a way through. We see that also in gaming, you know, computer mm -hmm. gaming, which my son loves. But I think it's a little bit the same. Like you say, it's very experiential in the martial arts. And this, I think, leads nicely to what we were talking about earlier, which is reflexivity. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I really did want to ask you about because it's such an interesting way of looking at how we um, how we monitor things in our business as, mm -hmm. as we grow and develop. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, definitely. <laughs> it's actually a quite nice connection. So when people hear about being reflective or being reflexive, they might wonder what it is. And at the side, uh, at um, danger of maybe oversimplifying it, I, I like to say, well, being reflective is literally about thinking what has happened and why it has happened. And we often do that subconsciously. When it comes to business and in order how to benefit from being reflexive is you must do that deliberately and consciously. Let me give you a few examples. So the, the easiest ones, think about kids going to elementary school, either when you were young or your own child or whatever. So you go to class and you think, you know, there's an exam coming up and you think you're going to get a B or, or two or whatever is the high grade in, in your country and you get a lower grade. Okay. You, now you need to reflect, why did I get that? Everybody gets that. You know, if you get a lower grade or you underperform, people will say, now you must start thinking about why did that happen? What people don't often say is the opposite situation. So you go to the exam, you think you will get the low grade, but you get really high grade. You celebrate, you're happy. You know, I got much better grade than I expected. And you live on. That's a mistake. You also must reflect and think, why did you get better grade than you expected? Now, you might wonder, why am I using such, such a trivial example? Because everybody gets it, and the moment they get it, when you ask them, okay, when is the last time you did that in your business? They will immediately have, ah, yeah. You had probably a war room meeting or some emer you know, emergency meeting if your product is underselling, uh, if something is very over budget, if something is delivered you know, three years mm -hmm. after it should have been delivered. Yes, you should have a conversation about that. But people very often in businesses have conversation if the opposite happened, if you sold more than expected, if you delivered sooner than expected. And why do I speak so much about that is if you don't go back and write down, this is what we thought would happen. This is what has actually happened. 
and this is what we believe the difference is and why the difference was, you will not be able to repeat mm -hmm. such success. Yes, reflecting on failures is about avoiding failure. That's great. But reflecting on success is about repeating success. If you just avoid failure, that's great to stay in business. But if you cannot repeat success, there's no growth. Mm. So eventually, no matter how much failures you avoid, you will go, go out of business because it's a natural phenomenon to decay. Decay is a natural phenomenon. I said the same thing in, in different word order. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, every system left to itself is going to reduce over time. That, that's normal. We, as humans, you know, everybody has to die, hopefully of old age instead of other things. And the same goes for our systems, businesses, environments. If there's no growth, you cannot expect to exist mm. forever. Does that make any sense or, or did I make yeah, it worse? Abs absolutely. And it, it's almost as though by not looking at the data that we can glean from success, that we are we're working with, you know, one one wheel instead of two. <laughs> is, is that a fair fair analogy? No, no, the, the, no the, that, that's great because if if you're not being reflexive, then you ought to repeat your own mistakes. At the same time, as I said, you will not be able to repeat your successes. And the reason, again, why I'm, why I'm so bullish on this is because it works. It doesn't matter if you're a solopreneur, if you're a small business, if you're a startup, or if you're a gigantic company. It works in all the cases. Actually, I would even say that that's one of the reasons why smaller companies can often outcompete large companies. Because mm. people think in a large company, you know, Bruno or Deidre or Johnny, they know a thing, therefore a company knows a thing. No, wrong. They know a thing. And if other people in a company cannot access Bruno or Johnny or mm. whomever, then they don't know that. And in, in a smaller company, it's so much easier. You can just call me up. I can just call you up and ask for, for help. So creating and documenting this insight, this knowledge is critical for long-term success because what you're doing is you're basically creating reusable knowledge, which then turns into competitive advantage. And I mean, that's amazing. And it costs nothing. I mean, you just need a notebook. That's it. <laughs> you don't need anything else. So people ask me, like, Bruno, how do I start? And, and when I tell them, and then they ask me, ah, is that all? Yeah, that's all, but discipline. So the process is very simple. Get a notebook, doesn't matter, whatever. Buy the cheapest notebook mm -hmm. or, or piece of paper. And it's very simple. So you pick a decision or some, some happening, something. So you have, you want to take some action. Describe the situation. Just, just write it in plain words and useful sentences. Feel free to draw as well. To our brains, it helps to visualize things. Mm -hmm. So, and you don't need to be Picasso or artist. It doesn't matter. Nobody's going to look over it. So you draw that. And then try to write down what will be the outcomes of this. So write it down. If I do A, B and C might happen. Then also write down what's the intended outcome. So you have these three things. Now go and take your action, make your decision, and then write down what has actually happened. So we are looking at one page of notes. And then, as I said before, write down why is there a difference between what you thought would happen and what has actually happened. Mm. And as I tell, this will usually be one page, two page maximum. And the magic doesn't happen with, with that one or two pages. The magic starts to happen when you do that again and again and again and again 
And that's why it's difficult but easy or mm. simple but difficult. But whatever phrasing you want to use. Because people usually lack this discipline. But that is, as I said, when magic starts to happen. Because when you go back and you look at your notebook of decisions, mm -hmm. what you will start noticing are patterns. How do you make decisions? When do you make the best decisions? When do you make the worst decisions? And then that will help you become better business leader, a better you know, spouse, a better friend, better whatever you want. Because you can choose what you write about. We are talking mostly about business in this call, but it can be used for anything. It's a general approach to improving your business and yourself. That costs nothing but a pencil, piece of paper, <laughs> and everything in terms of your commitment and discipline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that it is so important, that, isn't it? Because it's, like you say, it's the discipline. It's not necessarily about doing this once and then... Mm -hmm never looking at it again. It's about, it really is getting to know yourself. Is, mm. is, is that what we're coming to here? That we are actually yep. starting to see, like you say, patterns and things that we yep. can spot. Oh, you know, I did that the last time that worked a bit better. I did that the time before it didn't work mm. so well. So maybe if I go more in that direction and less in that direction, then we have a better chance of success. Absolutely. I mean, all of us have blind spots. Mm. All of us have specific biases. And this isn't about necessarily eliminating these biases, but becoming aware, mm. becoming aware of your own, let's say, levers. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not aware of your levers, what might happen is other people that become aware of them might use them to sometimes abuse you, sometimes manipulate you, or simply get what I want. For example, you know, very aggressive salesperson. The best salespeople are those that can identify such levers and use them in a way that you don't recognize. The worst salespeople are those that, you know, basically brute force you. They're in your face, they're all over the place, and you buy just to get rid of them. They didn't pull your lever. They basically just overcame you with, with so much, uh, by being so obnoxious. It's the other guy that managed to, to achieve such an effect that you say, oh, I want to buy this, and I actually made the buying decision. So that is kind of the thing that you actually get to learn from this type of reflexivity. And when you know that, it's so critical when you're especially a business owner. If you hit success and you start growing your company, you will need to hire a lot more people. You will need to create a management team. They will not know you. They will not know how you make your decisions. The only mm. way they can learn is by making decisions with you. And if you don't know what sets you off, what pisses you off, then you're in for, a, <laughs> I don't want to say a world of pain, but let, let's say a rough ride. Yeah, a rough <laughs> ride. You will be learning the hard way. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. As we say, we are both martial artists. You often learn the hard <laughs> way. But, uh, you know, if you're wise, learn from others. If you're smart, learn from your own mistakes. Mm. <laughs> sometimes, it, sometimes it's better to be wise. Sometimes it is. Yeah. And, and that's that's one of the things that we talked about a little bit earlier as well, um, about fear of um, developing. And, and, you know, we talked about success a little bit there and the, the things that come with it, the growth and the growth pains, I guess, mm. and how we can let certain things stop us from mm. achieving what we're capable of um, because we have maybe deep-seated fear that we're not even aware of. Mm -hmm. So, absolutely. And, and I will share from my personal experience working with, well, thousands of entrepreneurs is these three fears that I most often encountered. And uh, I'll share just a little bit how, how to overcome them. So first, 
Very common one is fear that someone is going to steal your idea, your brilliant idea, your one and only baby. To that, just remember this. If you decide to have a stealth startup or, or something hidden, etc., that's your right. No one can force you to share anything. What you give up is feedback, feedback from the market, feedback from other experts, feedback from people that matter. If you don't get feedback about your idea, what you're in essence doing is developing something that has extreme uncertainty that will be successful. That's one. So mm -hmm. that's what you're giving up. What you're getting is almost nothing because ideas by themselves are worthless. It's ideas that are executed that start making, I don't want to say money, but that are valuable. Mm -hmm. So just because you have an idea and you know someone takes it, doesn't matter anything because first, we are not able to communicate perfectly. So if you think that just by saying out an idea, someone is going to be making hundreds of millions on it, that will not happen because so much about idea is still in your head mm -hmm. that they won't be able to just take it away. So that is, that is in most cases, irrational fear. Next one is fear of ridicule. So, okay, mm -hmm. you have an idea and you're happy to share it. But you're afraid, what will your friends say? You're afraid, what will your family say? You're afraid, what your social circle will say? To that I say, forget about them. The only people who matter for your idea are people that this idea is for and you as a person and as a business. Entrepreneurship as innovation is all about creating value for some specific customer segment, user group, uh, so, some benefactor or sorry, beneficiary at the end of your value chain. So the only people whose opinion matters are that people and you, because you're deciding if you're going to spend your life, your savings, your work on this idea. So mm -hmm. forget about the others, even if they have something ugly to say. It's all about the people at these two ends. And third one, uh, you mentioned it briefly, success. This is a paradoxical one. But in my experience, a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners, they stop at the finish line. They come to it. And they stop. They're mm. afraid of success. Because when they come to the finish line, they realize how much their life is going to change if they are successful. They will realize that responsibility they have is going to grow tenfold. Because it's easy when you're a small company. You have responsibility for yourself and maybe few employees. But if you grow to 100 people, suddenly you have responsibility for 100 families. And I know that's not easy on everyone. And again, what I say here, it is your right to be afraid, but don't overthink it. Mm -hmm. If you have come to this moment, that means that you have a business that can actually sustain yourself. So then grab it, Gra grab your destiny. And not just that, it's an amazing thing because you will contribute to 100 families or whatever number of families, and that's an amazing achievement. And you need to be saluting yourself for it and not allow your fear to overcome you. Mm -hmm. If you succumb to this fear, then at least hand over the idea to someone else. Try to exit the idea. Some people like that. Some people just like developing ideas and then stop. They don't want to take it to the big wide world. Perfectly fine. But don't, don't just throw it into the gutter. You know, sell the rights, hand it over, whatever. Then the world still benefits from what you made. It would be a pity to just throw it away. Yes. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. And of course, um, I guess as as you grow your company, you're not going to start at that level or very few will. But if you are 
being reflective, if you are looking at the processes and so on, and if you are talking to the people that you're working with, by the time you get to that stage, it's not just going to be you either, is it? It's going to be more than you at that point. Exactly. And what's what's an amazing thing, I mean, we are social creatures. Peer pressure is very much a thing. Sometimes that's positive, sometimes it's negative. In this case, it will be positive because if you, as a leader, as a business owner, people see you doing that, and they see it's not some wishy-washy something, something, but it's actually useful, they'll start doing it themselves because entry barrier is so low. You just need to be able to read and write. That's it. And people ask, you know, they ask, how do we create a culture of experimentation? How do we create a culture of innovation? Well, leading by example. Mm. (laughs) That's the easiest. And reflection is a great skill that's useful in all domains of business. So when people see that their leader is doing that, then they try it. Not all of them, but some will try it and they will realize, hey, this is this is actually useful. <laughs> and then the people that report to them will have the same effect. So you have this cascade going through the company. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, reflection is a skill for life and not just for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one, but I like it. I just made it up. <laughs> It's, um, you know, it, it, I guess it is one of those things, you know, I, I spent the bulk of yesterday actually looking back over the, the previous year and looking ahead to the next year. And it, it is funny, you know, the, the group I was doing this with, one of the observations in the group was that quite often, again, tying back to what we were saying earlier, some of the successes that we've had in the year, because we pay not as much attention to them, we kind of think, all oh, right, that worked, job done we forget to include them in what happened. We forget to include them in the, the the tally of the year, I guess. And we, in effect, then we don't carry that success forward. Mm. So yeah, it, it it really just does seem like something that um, is really, really important. And I hope everybody takes that away from, from listening to you today. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Bruno, look, we are at time. Um, and that has been absolutely wonderful. So packed with amazing advice. I am really, really delighted to have got the opportunity to speak to you and to um, to learn from you today. So thank you so much for coming in and for bearing with the technical hiccups. And well, we got there in the end. Thank you for having me. And I hope that anyone who has listened to us today, because you also shared some amazing insights, uh, I invite any listener, you know, just try one thing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we really haven't thought about things that you need to get the PhD in neuroscience or rocket science or anything. Just go and do it. Mm-hmm. Just go and do it and see it for yourself. If it helps you, keep it. If it doesn't, discard it. That's it. That's my only wish for anyone listening, listening to this today, tomorrow, or whenever in life. And, and of course, there's there's loads more. If you liked what you heard today, Bruno has some amazing stuff on the website. So all the details for that will be in the show notes. Bruno, thank you again. It has been a pleasure. Hey, before you go, I want to take a moment to say thanks for tuning into this episode of the Ambition Incubator podcast. And just check to make sure you know that you can join me each week for a deep dive, dynamic, collaborative reading of some business classics. You'll find all the information you need when you register for free at ambitionincubator.com forward slash BBC. I'll see you there.